many of you love Jesus? Amen? Amen. It's good to be in God's house today. Um, I'm really glad to be back. Uh, last week I was um, on vacation. How many of you know it's good to get away every once in a while? Yeah. Um, but it's also good to come back every once in a while, right? And uh, I'm just so happy to be back in Destiny Church in San Antonio, Texas, the greatest city in the whole wide world. I'm convinced of that. And uh, I really am. I love this city and I love this church. And so it's great to be back here with you today. Didn't Pastor Terry do a phenomenal job last Sunday bringing the word? Oh, you could do better than that. Man, I thank God for, uh, I thank God for technology. I was able to get on Sunday afternoon and uh, hear the word that was brought and it blessed me. I was blessed by Pastor Terry's message uh, last Sunday. If you missed it, you need to get on our website and you need to hear it. It will bless you. It will touch your life. Um, you know, generations of people have lived and died and never once heard one word from this book. Generations of people have lived and died their entire lives. There are people alive on the earth today who will live their entire lives and never hear one word from this book. And we are so blessed at Destiny Church to not only have the word of God at our fingertips of any moment of any day, but to also have men pastors and elders who are filled with God's word, who at any moment can bring us the word of God. It's a blessing. It is a blessing. You need to understand that you are a blessed people today. You are a very, very, very blessed people today. Now, you know, I believe, um, I believe the Bible. I believe it's the word of God. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that like three other people here at Destiny Church believe that. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe that uh, He inspired it to be written. Um, and I can I could preach about that, but I'm, that's not the message I have today. But God has given me a message for you today from this Word. He has given me, God has given me a message for you today. I believe that. I believe that God wants to speak to you today. To every person in here, God wants to speak to you. No, let me rephrase that. To every person in here today, God is speaking to you today. Not that he wants to. He is. God is speaking to you today. Jesus, uh, he told this parable about the word of God. He told this parable. He said, the word of God is like a farmer who goes out and sows seed. The word of God is like these seeds that this farmer sows. How many of you ever sown any kind of seed before? A couple of you. I've maybe, in a science project, I think I planted a lima bean in some cotton balls one time. And it grew. It was amazing. Um, but Jesus tells this parable about the word of God. He says it's like a farmer who goes out to his field and he begins to stick his hand into his bag and to throw out the seed. 
And the interesting thing about this parable is some of the seed bears fruit. Some of the seed bears a lot of fruit. Grows, it's nurtured, it's a huge blessing to the people that take of its crop. But some of the seed bears no fruit. And you know what the difference was between the seed that bore fruit and the seed that didn't bear fruit? It wasn't the seed. It was the same seed that was sown. The difference was the soil that it fell on. The Bible says that some of the seed went into good soil, and some of the seed bounced over on the sidewalk and couldn't go down deep. That's like people whose hearts are hard, Jesus says. That the word of God goes out, but the seed doesn't go in because their hearts are hard. He said some of the seed fell on good soil, but these birds came in and they swooped in and, and stole the seed away. Jesus said that's like the distractions of life. That the seed fell on good soil, but they allowed the people, they allowed the distractions of life, the cares of this life, the social medias of this life to come in and to distract. You know, Twitter has as its logo a bird. And I believe it's after this parable of Jesus, this bird coming in and stealing the word of God. Let me tell you this morning, God's word, I'm going to bring you God's word today. And when we open this book, God speaks. God is speaking to you today. But you can decide, it's an act of your will. Am I going to be good soil today? Am I going to let God's word go down deep into my heart and to bear fruit in my life to be a blessing to me and to others and to generations? Or am I going to allow myself to be distracted? Am I going to be on my phone texting about lunch Am I going to be looking up Yelp reviews for that Chinese food place? Am I going to be arguing with so-and-so? What, what am I going to be doing? Am I going to be hardening my heart so that the Word of God doesn't bear fruit? It's up to you, my friends. And I pray to God that we would all open up our hearts today to receive His Word, that it would bear fruit in our lives. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we want to be people who don't only hear your word, but we want to be people that do your word. So, Lord, help us through the power of your spirit to open up our hearts today. Lord, minimize the distractions. Let us, let us hear you clearly. Let us see you clearly. Let us obey you fully today as we hear your word. Lord, help me as your messenger to not interject myself, but let it be a word from you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Uh, the, the word that the Lord gave me for us today is from Ephesians um, chapter 3. And we're not in the middle of a series right now. We're going to actually start a new series on September 9th. And we will be going through the book of First John. And so if you want to start reading up and studying up and knowing where we're going in our fall series, we'll be in the book of First John. But until September the 9th, I'm waiting on the Lord and hearing from Him on what to bring you uh, each week. And so I really believe that the Lord laid this passage of Scripture on my heart today from Ephesians chapter 3. Now, the book of Ephesians, as you may know, was written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a church that he had started in Ephesus. Ephesus uh, is... Um, is still a, a, a town today, is still a city today. Uh, it's in modern-day Turkey. 
But in the time of Paul, Ephesus was a very um, large city, one of the fourth or fifth largest cities in the world. It's estimated that upwards of 250,000 people lived in this city the time of, that Paul was there. They have an amphitheater that could seat 50, no, 25,000 people, an amphitheater that could seat 25,000 people. The amphitheater is still there today. If you go and visit uh, Ephesus today and the ruins that are there, you can see this amphitheater that sits 25,000 people. Our AT&T Center, where the Spurs play, only seats 18,000 people. It's massive. Uh, in the center of the city was a, a temple to the pagan goddess, uh, Greek goddess Artemis. Uh, this was the center of the city. It was the center of the city's life. Uh, the, this pagan temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was uh, 425 feet long and 220 feet wide. That's 50% larger than the size of an NFL football field. It had 127 marble columns that were each 62 feet high that held the roof up. This roof here is about 35 feet high. So you know, almost twice the size of this roof, the size of a 50% larger than a football field. It was massive. And this was the heart of the city. It was a very dark city, a very spiritually uh, active city with, with dark spiritual forces. And Paul planted this church here in Ephesus. And after three years, he was run out of the city. And he writes back to encourage this this small church that he had started and planted. Ephesus was a port city, and so it was a gateway into the region where the city was located. And so it was kind of like if you think of modern-day New York City. Multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious, um, polytheistic, fallen pagan society. Yet this church had been started, this church had been planted, and so Paul writes this letter back to them to encourage them. How many of you know that sometimes uh, living in America is a little bit living like in Ephesus? Amen? Amen? Yeah. We're a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-plurality uh, of ideas and philosophies about religion and all kinds of different opinions about everything. Some of it good, some of it okay, some of it great, some of it just flat out wicked. Amen. And so sometimes living in a society, it's, it's a little bit difficult living for God in a fallen, ungodly world. And so Paul writes back to the Ephesians to encourage them in their faith. In the first half of this letter, um, up to this point, he's been telling them about who they are in Christ, what God has done for them in Christ the incredible riches that we as, as Christians have access to through Jesus Christ. He's written to them about how God has changed who they are, that they're no longer sinners, but now through the blood of Jesus, they've become saints. They're not who they were, that God has changed them. He's put his spirit inside of them. He's working out uh, his plan and purpose for that city through his church and in their lives. 
He talks about how God is uniting them, even though they're from different backgrounds and different economical situations, that God through Christ is bringing them all together. Because when you come to Jesus, you have to lay everything down at the foot of Jesus. You have to lay everything down. Everything. You have to lay your political party down. Thank you. You have to lay your upbringing down. You have to lay who your parents were. You have to lay the color of your skin down. You lay everything down at the foot of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he takes you and he forms you and he fashions you and he makes you into the person he's called you to be. And because of that, God's people are a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multicolored, multi-political background people. That's who we are. Because Jesus is what unites us. And so we have people here today at Destiny Church from all over the city. Amen. We're not all from the north side. We got some from the south side. Maybe. We got some from the east side and the west side. There we go. Right? We got, we're not all one race. We are all one race. We're the human race. Amen. Um, we're all created in the image of God. We come from all different areas of the city, all different upbringings, backgrounds, economic status, education. We're all in this, but we're all different, yet Jesus Christ has united us. He's poured his love into us. He's poured his spirit into us today. And so that's what God was doing in Ephesus. That's what God is doing in this church today. And so Paul reminds them, he says, look, God has taken you. He's called you out. He's called you out to be different. He's called you out to, to live for him. And this is what God has done for you in Christ. He, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and now God has made you alive in him. You were enemies with one another, but now through Jesus and the, his shed blood, you've been united in Christ. And so he's, he's reminding them of all of these things. And then in verse uh, chapter f- 3, verse 14, he prays this prayer for the Ephesians. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. But before we look at the prayer that he prays, I want you to look at chapter 4, verse 1. When we look at chapter 4, verse 1, it's going to help us understand the prayer that he's about to pray. Paul says this in chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul writing this, is sitting in jail in Rome. For preaching the gospel. How many of you are glad today that your pastor doesn't get thrown in jail for preaching the gospel? It's a good thing. We're a blessed nation. Amen. Thank the Lord for our religious freedom today. We need to remember that we have brothers and sisters all over the world who aren't free to do what we're doing today. We have brothers and sisters all over the world today who, at the risk of their own lives, they're assembling with God's people today. We have a hard time getting here by 10.30. God bless you today. Got this encouraging word for you from the Lord today. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Have you ever urged someone? What does it sound like when you urge someone? Is it a suggestion? No, you're pleading with them, urging them. Listen to what I have to say. It's the truth. You need to follow these words. Paul 
urges them to what? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul spent the first half of his letter reminding them of the calling that they've received from God. That God has called them, he's chosen them, he's set them apart. He's, he's done this incredible work for them and he's given them access to himself. And then he says, listen, in light of what God has done for you, I'm going to teach you about how you are to live for him. He says that the life we live should be worthy of the calling that we have received. How many of you know it's a high calling to be a Christian? To be a son and daughter of the living God, to be taken as once an enemy of God because of sin. Now God calls us his own sons and daughters. It's a high calling. This word worthy, it's this idea of a a scale, of, of weights. And on one side of the scale is the call of God to be a Christian, to be a son and daughter of the true and living God. That's what's on one side of the scale. And he says what should balance it out on the other side is the way you live your life. That on one side is what what God has done for you and, and all the things you couldn't do to save yourself, totally lost, totally set apart, distance from God, yet God called you and saved you and made you his child. That's on one side. But he says it shouldn't be of, it, it shouldn't stay this way, that it should be equaled out by the way we now live for God. That's what he says, that our life that we live, it should line up with the calling that we've received. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He said that Jesus Christ died for us. How many of you are glad that Jesus died for us? Amen. Amen. Now let me tell you the rest of the verse. Jesus died for us so that we might live for him. Jesus died for you. So that you could live for him. You see, before you're a Christian, before you're saved, before you're born again, before you're washed in the blood, all of these things that we used to describe what it means to become a Christian, before that happened, you could not live for God. You're enslaved to sin. But now that you've been set free, you haven't been set free to just stay where you're at. You've been set free To live for him. And a life lived for God, it looks totally different than a life lived for yourself. Amen? To please yourself for your own wants, your own desires, your own gratification. It looks different. And so Paul... For the rest of Ephesians, for the rest of this letter, he's going to walk out for them practically what it looks like to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And it touches every area of our life. It touches our marriages, 
husband and wife. It touches relationships between children and parents. It touches relationships between people in the church, uh, interpersonal relationships. It touches relationships between uh, your spiritual leaders and the people in the church. It, talks, it, it touches your finances, the words that you speak, the, the, the way that you think. Every area of your life when you meet Jesus should change. Jesus changes everything, everything. And so he's going to walk this out practically for them. And sandwiched between this, right before he jumps into how to live for God, he offers up this prayer to God for this church. And I'm going to read this prayer to you this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Say that word, power. power. That God would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you. Paul is going to teach them how to live for God. But before he does, he prays this prayer. And he asks that God would fill the Ephesian church, the believers there, that God would fill them with his power. Why does he pray that? Of all the things that we need as people, and we're a needy people, amen? amen. I have needs every single day. Uh, we're needy people. Of all of the things that he could pray for, for them, he prays, he, he gets on his knees in his jail cell. This is Paul who has been beaten and battered and shipwrecked, spent his life. You think you've got some aches and pains. Let me tell you what. He didn't have no Tylenol in that jail cell. He didn't have cable TV and the internet and carpet. He got down in a dark, dingy, damp dungeon in Rome, in chains, on his knees to pray for this church. And what does he pray for them? that they would be filled with God's power. And here's why. Because you cannot live for God without the power of God. Amen. 
You cannot live for God without the power of God. You can't do it in your own strength, in your own ability. He knows that he's, he's going to begin to write to them, this is how you live for God. He, he knows that if God doesn't fill them with his power, that it's a hopeless case. I've tried to live for God in my own power. It's the most miserable existence on planet Earth, let me tell you. It's horrible. Because I can't do it in my own strength, in my own power, without God's Spirit in my life. It's frustrating. How many, why are you looking at me like you don't understand what I'm saying? Am I the only one who can't do that? You need the power of God in your life. You need God's power. Amen. We love power. We love power. We call our power, what do we call our power that we use every day? It's called electricity, all right? We, now, we don't like paying for our power, right, every month when that thing rolls around. We love power. Power used in the right way is a good thing. It's a great thing. We're here in this room today because we've got power. If we didn't have power in this place, you know who wouldn't be here? All of us. Because it'd be 115 degrees in here without power. Because we have power in here, it's a cool 74 degrees today. Thank God for power. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we got power today, we got lights. You can see me today because we have power. Because we have power today, you've got sound. You can hear me today because we have power. If we didn't have power in this building, there wouldn't be anybody here today. We love power. We all carry around these little devices with us every single day. And I thank God for our phones. This morning, I text a group of pastor friends of mine. I said, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God for you today as you minister his word. I got a text back from a missionary friend who says, I'm in Mexico. I've got a, a, a difficult ministry assignment today. Please pray for me. I said, absolutely. I'm praying for you today. I love that. That's so cool. I thank God for that. It's, it's incredible what we can do with the tools that God's given us today. But the other day, my little device, you know what happened? I forgot to charge it at night. And midway through the day, it, it ran out of power. And what do we call something that doesn't have power? It's dead. It's dead. I pulled out my phone, and it was just this black slab and it was useless couldn't do nothing with that thing without power that thing is a very expensive piece of trash it can't do anything without power and let me tell you you can't do anything for God without his power I went and I gotta get this thing plugged in. Stop everything that I'm doing. 
Gotta get plugged in. I'm without power. Gotta get charged up. Oh, if we would, if we would approach our spiritual lives and take care of them the way we take care of our stupid cell phones. If we would prioritize getting plugged in to the Holy Spirit and God's power. Hello? We won't forget to plug our phones in. Oh, but we'll go days, weeks, months without plugging into God's power. Help us, Jesus. Let me tell you something about God's power. It's, it's not like this little thing that I have in my hand here, which is cool and is neat. But God's power, God's got some real power, let me tell you. If you, if you flip back to Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 1, start in 18. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I mean, you've had your eyes open by the Holy Spirit. You see Jesus for who he is. The Savior of the world, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Having your eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. How many of you glad there's a hope that comes with our calling? An eternal hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, there's an inheritance that God has for us. And verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him being Christ head over all things he gave him to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all Amen. Paul says that God's power, he says, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Now, we can measure power. Did you know that? What do we call, uh, how do we measure electricity in watts or kilowatts, right? We can measure electricity, and that's some power. We can measure the power of a hurricane, category one, two, three, four, or five. We can measure it. The destructive force that sweeps across the nations and all we can do is, is pray to God. We can't do anything to stop it in ourselves. But we can measure it. We can measure the power of an earthquake that can level cities. 
We build these cities and the power of an earthquake can level them, the Richter scale. We can measure it. We can't control it, but we can measure it. We can measure the power of an atomic bomb. What do we measure that with? With megatons. But you know what we can't measure? God's power. God's power is greater than a hundred million, trillion, billion, gazillion, atomic bombs, hurricanes, earthquakes, put all together, they're a drop in the ocean compared to God's power. God's power. And it says that God used that power when he raised Christ from the dead and seated Christ in heavenly places above everything. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, is alive inside of you. Today, today. And we get depressed because the person I was rooting for got voted off the island. <laughs> the enemy robs my joy because the bachelor picked the wrong bachelorette. How does he not know that he shouldn't have picked her? Let me get real here. We lose our joy because Kawhi Leonard left the Spurs. It's real. I know it's real, folks. I know it hurts. Listen, there's, a, there's another level to living the Christian life. And it has to do with what are you drawing on as your source. You see, God did not call you to, to live a, a weak, wimpy, broken down, third rate kind of life for him. But if your source, if you plugged into something like that, if that's what you're feeding yourself with all the time, that's the type of life that you're going to live. But God has called you to, to share in the victory that Christ had. The immeasurable greatness of his power that he worked for us when he raised Christ for, from the dead. Took him from the grave and seated him in glory. That's a lot of power right there. No amount of power that we could ever come up with could do that. But God's power can. And so the Apostle Paul, he gets on his knees and he begins to pray that God's people would be filled with this power. Now why does he do that? Why does Paul pray this? Think about this. Think about this. He pleads with God for these people that they would be filled with God's power. What this tells me is that, the, is, is that Christians, believers, saints, that it's not a given that we will be filled with this kind of power. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, 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 that I can be a Christian, I can be saved, I can be born again. He's writing this letter to Christians who are saved and born again. 
that I can have my eternity secure, but not live in the power of God today. And, and I think that's the great tragedy, and I think Paul understood that. And so this is what causes him to get down on his knees before God and to pray for these people that they would have an encounter with the power of God. Amen. That it would happen in their inner being, it says. That they would be filled and strengthened. That God, according to his glory, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. an issue of what we're, what we're drawing from as our source. What is your source? What's the source of your life? Have we become distracted on, on a bunch of other things? that They're not evil, they're not wicked, but they're not God. You see, God, God wants to, to use your life to impact eternity. I believe that. I believe God is, has called you to, to make a difference for eternity, but it won't happen if we're tapped into the bachelorette. It won't happen if we're living life for the Spurs or the Cowboys. And if you're doing that for the Cowboys after the last 20 years, they're not, there might not be hope for you at this point. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Troy Aikman's not coming back. It's, it's a mess. What are we plugging into? What are we drawing from as our source? God wants to use you. Say that, God wants to use me. God wants to use you in his kingdom to make a difference for eternity. What is God's power being manifest in your life? What does it look like? I don't know what it looks like for you. God does. And you know what I believe? I believe he started to show every single one of you a piece of what it could look like. I believe God's given you dreams and visions. I believe God's given you ideas of things you want to see, but it's going to take the power of God to do and to accomplish in your life. And sometimes it's like, well, God, I'm waiting on you. You've got to do it. It's got to be done in your power. And here the Apostle Paul understands that for there to be the power of God in our lives, it might require us to get on our knees every once in a while yeah. and seek the Lord. Right. And not just get down on our knees when the DVR is not working and try and figure that out. <laughs> or get down on our knees to, to plug in our phone. But that we would get down on our knees to plug into God. When was the last time you got down on your knees and you prayed for God to fill you with his power? No, I'm just not full. I'm just not feeling it today, you know. I don't know where God's at. Here I am. When was the last time you got down on your knees and you asked God to fill somebody else with his power? Well, God, when are you going to save my family? I don't know. They're all just a bunch of sinners. I don't know why you're not working in their life. When's the last time you were on your knees for your family? Calling them out by name. 
that God would touch them and save them, move in their life. This is what it takes to get filled up with his power. Later, Paul's going to write, he's going to say, don't be drunk, don't be getting drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And it's an issue of what is it that you are filling yourself with? Paul says, don't fill yourself with alcohol and just walk around through life drunk. Fill yourself with God's Spirit. It is a command to Christians that we would fill ourselves up with the Spirit of God. It is a command to you. Be filled with the Spirit. That means it's on me to make sure that it happens. So what does that look like for you? I don't know, maybe it looks like turning off the death metal and putting on some praise and worship music. Maybe that's a start. I don't know. Maybe it's turning off the the Netflix and the TV and the video games and and tuning in to God. Maybe it's shutting the laptop. All of these electronic distractions. Maybe Maybe it's like not yelling at your family for a little while and go into the closet and yell at God for a little bit and take it out on Him and get right with Him. I don't know what it looks like for you But God's command to you, God's word to you, is be filled with his spirit. And when we are, we also are endued with his power. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's called some of you to be missionaries. It's called some of you to be evangelists, some of you to be worship leaders, to write songs. It's called you to be a missionary at your workplace, a missionary to your family. And we say this four-letter word, I can't. I can't do that. I could never do that. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. When I say I can't to something God's called me to do, I might as well be saying, God, you're a liar and your word is not true because I can't do it. God says that you can. My three-year-old, Asher, he just turned three in June, for the last year, He's not been able to understand the difference between the word can and can't. He only has the word can. That's the only word he knows how to say. And so every time I tell him to do something, when he wants to tell me that he he can't do it, he doesn't know the word can't. So he says, I can do it. And so I'll say, Asher, clean your room. I can do it. I say, I know you can do it. Clean your room. I can do it. I can do it. He says, I can do it. Asher, I need you to go pick up those. I can do it. Yes, I know you can. Please do it. I can do it. Yes, I know. It's really funny because he he doesn't know the word can't. And so it's can for everything. And so because I'm a father wanting to train my children to speak properly, about a year ago, I started to tell him and to teach him, no, son, 
there's the word can and there's the word can't. I was going to teach him the word can't. And I just had this check in my spirit. What are you doing? Teaching your son this four-letter word, can't. God said, I've been trying to eradicate that from your vocabulary, and you're trying to put it into his. Hello? I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I will not teach him that word. The other day, I heard him say, I can't. I started crying. It broke my heart. He learned it. Must have been from Heather. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. That is not true. Listen, you need to get that word out of your vocabulary. In Jesus' name. That word can't is from the devil. It's from the devil. It's from Satan. When you start prophesying over your life that you can't do something that God has called you to do, empowered you by his spirit to do, you're speaking death into your life. Death to the plan of God, death to the dreams of God, death to the purpose of God that he has for you and for your family. Stop saying, I can't. In Jesus' name. I'm sorry, sir, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't, sir. God needs to set us free from this can't, sir mentality. It is like a cancer in our lives. I'm sorry, I can't, sir. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do what God's called you to do. It's going to take a little bit of sacrifice. It's going to take a, some time on your knees before the Lord. It's going to take some time in his word. It's going to, it's going to take some cutting out of relationships and, and establishing the right ones. It's, it's going to take some stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. But you will be amazed. You will be, it, it will be like Paul says, even more, exceedingly abundantly, far more than we could ask or think. That's what God wants to do in your life. And I can ask for a lot, and I can think for a lot. But if I will allow my soul, my spirit, my life to be flooded with God's spirit, with God's power, what are people going to think about me if I start preaching, if I start sharing my faith? I I don't talk real well. I'm not that smart. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to make fun of me. Listen, let me tell you something. It's not about you not about you. When you make it about you, you know whose power you're living in? Your power. It's not going to get anything done. Well, they're going to think I'm weird. Let me tell you something. You are weird. <laughs> they're going to think I'm a strange. Let me tell you. You are strange. The Bible says we are a peculiar people. You just need to own it. We just got to own it. We're, 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 we're strange people. We're strangers on this planet. This place is not our home. We're aliens and foreigners in this place. We have a different king, a different worldview, a different system of belief. We are going to stick out if we live for God. Own it. Accept it. Understand it. But watch God move through your life if you do. Amen.
We gotta stop trying to, to fit in, to blend in, and, and let them, stop letting the world mold us and to shape us into its image. The Bible says to let your mind be transformed, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're not undercover. The, the, the stone was rolled away. It, it, we, are, we are to go out and to proclaim the word, to proclaim the gospel to every creature. That means to anything that will listen, we will tell the gospel to. Hey, excuse me, um, if you could just listen to me for a moment. I, I don't really want to bother you, but listen. If we truly believe what God's word says, if we truly believe that people are lost and dying and sick and going to hell without Jesus, we would be shouting from the rooftops to anyone who would listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there are people who need to hear this message, who want to hear this message, who are in your life waiting for you. They're waiting for you to unplug yourself from the world, to plug yourself into Jesus, to be filled with his power and to preach the gospel to them. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. We've got to quit being ashamed. We've got to quit being afraid. We've got to quit listening to the lies of the devil. We've got to get cant out of our vocabulary. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to do an altar call today. I missed last week, so I get, I'm taking a little bit extra time. I'm getting some time in. I'm going to do an altar call today. I'm, I, I believe there's some people here today who have been held in prison by this word, can't. God has called you. He's put dreams and visions in your heart. And you've said, I can't. You've listened to the lies of the enemy for whatever reason, whatever lie it was. Maybe it's because of your past that you can't do that for God. I don't know. But I believe that God wants to set some people free today from the prison of can't. And so if that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And we're going to leave that word can't up here on the altar. We're going to surrender that word to Jesus today. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to repent of the sin of can't. And we're going to choose today to stand on his word and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If that's you here today. Come down to the front with me. We're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray together today. Believe God to move in our lives. I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be ashamed. You know, I really, I truly believe that there is, that there is no limit to what God can do through a life that is totally surrendered to him. 
I really believe that. I believe as, as you brothers and sisters surrender this part, this vocabulary, this word that's against God's word, as you surrender to, lot, to that to the Lord today, that you are going to see some limits that were in your life. You're going to see those taken off. This word can't, it's, it's been a limiter. It's, it's been something that God takes you to a certain place and then I can't do it and you just keep bumping up against that ceiling. Today, as you leave that word at the altar, it's going to be a moment of breakthrough for you today. A breakthrough in your life today. Maybe some of you are here today and you said, you know what? I can't serve God. I, I just can't do it. I've, I've tried and I've failed. Let me tell you, you've you got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be filled with the power of God. Don't, don't give up on God. He's never going to give up on you. If you will plug into Him today, He will flood your soul with His power today. And so let's pray. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. When we lift our hands to the Lord, it's a sign of surrender. Today, we're leaving this word can't up here. We're leaving it up here. We're laying it down. God, we're here today to trust in your word. We're here today to trust in your word that teaches us that we can do all things through you, through your strength, through your power. Not in our own mind, in our own strength, but through your strength and through your power. So, Lord, forgive us, forgive me for the limits that I've placed on an unlimited God. Forgive me for the places I've said I can't and God can't and God won't. Forgive me, God. Lord, I repent of this can't spirit in Jesus' name. I turn from that. I lay it down. I give it to you. God, I give you all of my inadequacies, all of my brokenness, all of my can'ts. I give them to you. And today I receive, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live for God. I can be effective in God's kingdom. I can have a ministry. I can be a blessing to others. I can lead my family in the ways of God. I can make a difference in my workplace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name today, I proclaim and I profess that God's word is true, that the devil is a liar, that Jesus is on the throne, and that he is empowering me as his son to live for him today, to be the man that he's called me to be. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.